Hey there, I'm Ashley and I'm a proud mama of two beautiful kiddos, a wife, a health and wellness coach, and a middle and high school shop teacher. Hi, I'm Roberta, mama, wife, educator. I'm an entrepreneur and homeschool mom navigating the work, family, social life balance. Together, we will discuss various topics near and dear to our hearts for teachers and mamas, like routines, health, habits, self-care, and so, so much more. Living a healthy lifestyle is for everyone from young children to adults. Health, wellness, and emotional and social well-being starts at home and should be expanded upon in the classroom. Everyone can benefit from the Teacher Mamas podcast. So if you're ready to learn some helpful tips, let's do this thing. Hello, podcast friends. Welcome to the Teacher Mamas podcast. Today, we are talking about foods that make us feel good. And so before we get into kind of what exactly we mean by this, um, Ashley and I are both going to take a second to tell you like one thing that we're eating right now, each of us, that um, we notice that we feel good afterwards and maybe we can say like what that means to us, what feeling good means after eating that food. So um, Ashley, do you want to go first? Sure. Mine is probably not what you're thinking it is, um, but it is popcorn. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I am on a very strict elimination diet right now due to um, a PS. There's going to be lots of talk about like (laughs) bowel stuff in this episode. (laughs) So (laughs) Um, due to lots of like gassy issues that I have had, um, I'm on this diet called the FODMAP diet and it is for people that have irritable bowel syndrome, which I don't have, but I was actually trying to decrease inflammation in my body. So it's good for that as well. Um, but the one thing there's so much that I can't have on it. And then I also have my parosmia issues from COVID still where I, there's a lot of stuff that I can't eat due to like the distorted taste and smell of things still. And popcorn is the one thing that I can have like seven cups in a sitting and the diet says that that's okay to do that. So that's the one thing (laughs) that I've really been (laughs) indulging in lately and I feel good after I eat it. So it's popcorn. (laughs) How about you? For me right now, it's apples. Um, Partly because like for a couple of, well, I guess maybe like a year and a half now, I haven't really been able to eat an apple because I've had some major jaw issues and I've been seeing a physical therapist and doing different things to like help my jaw not be in so much pain. And I love apples because I just, it's like a natural, um, it's like natural caffeine, even though it's not, it just makes me feel so energized and kind of like lighter in spirit after eating an apple. So I'm excited that I can be eating them again and my jaw doesn't feel like falling off after I eat it. So I'm really excited to have that back. After yeah. you eat them, it's kind of so clean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I was actually, I was reading a story with one of my students this last week and um, the story was called uh, Nature's Toothbrush. So it was talking about like, what did people do if they don't have a toothbrush or like before toothbrushes existed and talked about how eat an apple because it doesn't stick to your teeth and it whitens them and cleans them. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, cool. I don't know if that's all scientifically accurate, but 
you know, it was in a kid's story. So why not? <laughs> well, I've heard that many times though. Like, so maybe it is. Yeah. At least parts of it have to be true. Yeah. Right. So awesome. Well, so we're going to talk today about like foods that make us feel good. I think a lot of times we focus on foods that, um, don't make us feel good, or there's a lot of shaming around the types of foods that we eat, like whether they're healthy or not healthy. And instead of looking at it through that lens of like healthy versus non-healthy, I think all of our bodies work a little bit differently. And so it's, it's taking note for ourselves of what it is that uh, we feel good after eating. Like I feel good after eating an apple what are some other things that I feel good after eating? Mm-hmm. And then of course, by, you know, to help eliminate, we obviously also have to notice like, what are the foods that like, we feel absolutely crappy after eating. Um, so like Izzy and I right now, my daughter, um, we're experimenting. We both have a lot of like stomach issues. She has a lot of like constipation to the point where she gets so constipated that she feels extremely nauseous and will end up throwing up and it gets really extreme. And, um, so we're like trying to figure out what exactly it is. Like we know dairy is part of it, but it doesn't seem to be the whole picture. So we're still trying to, um, figure out what exactly it is. And we're also trying to figure out like, where's that dairy threshold? Like, can she still have a milk in her cereal in the morning and be okay? Or do we need to eliminate it all the way? So we're just kind of experimenting not only with like the dairy itself, but like how much can she have? Is some cheese okay? Cause there are different types of cheese that, that have um, less of that like constipating factor involved. So it's working through these different things to see like what affects her body because her body is different than my body. And so Um, we're just figuring that out. And I think she's finally, she's old enough where she's starting to notice things. And we have the conversations where instead of me telling her, Hey, you're constipated, you can't have dairy for a week. It's not super helpful. Like for me to be that dictator kind of telling her what she can and cannot eat. I think that's super unhealthy. And um, she's to a point where she can start making those Um, she can notice those things on her own or I can help her notice those things and then have her come up with an action plan to help her feel better. So we've come up with, um, she started, we have this journal that her and I have. And one of the things is just tracking and writing down what we're eating throughout the day. And then it has a spot to like um, say how you feel at the end of the day. And a lot of times at the end of the day is when she starts to feel really icky, like everything like compounds and she's so busy during the day. She doesn't really notice how she feels until the end of the day. So that journal has been helpful, but also like the other thing we're working on is talking about really noticing when we feel full and being really mindful about our eating. And so if you feel full, stop eating. Even if you only have like two bites left, And it might feel wasteful. Like if you're full, don't eat those extra two bites because that could be the extra two bites that tip you over into like feeling bloated because you ate too much. So I've been working with my kids and myself because it's something I have to like unteach and unlearn myself is 
I don't have to eat everything on my plate. If I'm full, just package it up and eat it later instead of um, like, if I don't want to, I hate wasting food, you know, but like I shouldn't, my dislike of wasting food shouldn't outweigh my comfort and my health. So we've mm-hmm. been really working on um, when you feel full or when you feel like satisfied, you don't necessarily have to feel full, but then it might be too much. So when you feel satisfied um, or you don't feel hungry anymore, like stop and wait a while. And like the other is true too. Like if you've eaten an entire plate of food and you still feel hungry, like I encourage the kids to wait. And I think you wanted to talk about this, Ashley, like we wait for 20 minutes and if they're still hungry, then we'll eat something. So Ashley, why is that 20 minute wait important? Yeah. So funny story, um, Colton, the other night I made this shepherd's pie and they came up late and ate at like seven 30 and, um, <laughs> I scooped it up for him. By the time I had scooped up Sadie's, he was done with his already. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So <laughs> it's very rare that my kids actually love what I make. So I was like, Oh, <laughs> they really liked it. <laughs> and he was like, mom, I'm starving anymore. And I was like, okay, buddy, you need to wait and you need to go start your bedtime list. And then if you're still hungry, you can have more after that. So our stomachs don't actually register um, food or that we are satisfied or full until 20 minutes after we start eating. And so it's really important to slow down when we eat um, and make sure that we're not eating too fast. This can cause a lot of bloating issues, uh, weight issues. And although this episode isn't about losing weight, like if you're constantly eating so fast that your stomach can't register when it's full, um, then you're, you're going to notice that you're gaining weight because you're, you're eating too much food for your body. Another thing is, uh, that could help with slowing down is really concentrate where we live in a society where it's like eat and go, eat and go. Like we don't really sit down and enjoy our food anymore. And that is, again, where a lot of like these stomach issues are coming from, like we're not paying attention to what we're eating. Number one. And number two, when we do have a meal, it's usually like run out the door or quickly get it in between the kids sports and, and this and that. And so there's so much running around while we're eating. And like, I do this with breakfast. Um, I eat on my way to school. So Cause all I have is my shake in the morning and a piece of peanut butter toast. But I like, I I'm slow. I eat it in the amount of time that it takes me to get to school. So like I am slow while I'm eating it. Um, another thing that can help us slow down at actual meal times is I know this sounds ridiculous, but chewing each bite 30 times. I know when I heard that, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Um, but if you do this for like a week, you're not going to have to sit there and like um, count each time that you take a bite anymore. You're going to, it's just going to kind of start to come naturally for you. You're going to start to naturally slow down um, trying to sit there and not do other things like checking email or social media or watching TV. And you guys, I'm really bad at this. So I'm not saying that I'm perfect at this either, but really just like paying attention to the food that we're eating and enjoy our food. 
that can really help as well. Um, but that's chewing interesting your food that we talk yeah. about chewing for 30 times because, and I, and I know that that like helps get our digestion, like ready yeah. Yeah. to do what it needs to do. And I, so I remember I had, um, oh gosh, way long time ago, probably 20 years ago now I had an, um, I, I got really sick and one of the things I don't even, I don't even remember what it was called, but I, I was really sick. I couldn't eat. I like lost a ton of weight. And by the time we figured out what was wrong with me, there was like nothing to do to fix it. We just had to like ride it out. It was some sort of infection and I don't remember what it was, but my doctor had suggested like, I'm like, I just can't eat because I feel nauseous and like my stomach feels like crap after eating. So, um, she goes, okay, well, chew a piece of gum, like for 10 minutes before you want to eat something, chew gum because chewing that gum will get your stomach like ready for the food. And there were different things that we tried to, but like, that was one of the things that actually helped was chewing gum for a while. And it like got my stomach, like, Hey, you're about to eat some food. <laughs> Let me get ready to digest whatever it is that's yes. coming. Yes. And uh, that was yes. really helpful. It was like an anxious stomach thing. What was that? I can't remember what that was, but it wow, was, so it was an interesting time. That is that's super interesting. I've never heard of that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, chewing things for 30 times each, it really helps break our food down and helps our stomachs digest it more, um, easier. It slows us down. So we're not eating too much. We're not full before we're registering that we're full. And it just really helps with our digestive tract with um, gas and bloating and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and yeah, like my kids also have constipation issues with dairy. Sadie's had it for her whole life basically. And I'm kind of starting to notice that Colton has it and, but it can be the opposite too. Um, <laughs> I just took a trip with some of my kids, a very long <laughs> trip and, um, one of them was eating some dairy and was like, oh man, this is going to hit me in a half hour. And I'm like, well, <laughs> why are you eating it? And he's like, oh, it happens all the time when I eat dairy. I'm like, okay, this is a problem. Like, <laughs> This means that you have an intolerance to dairy. Like he noticed like, oh, this happens every time I have ice cream or cheese or milk. So he knew that, but he's, you know, still continuing to do it. So I was trying to have a conversation with him like, okay, if you like your stomach is, you know, really upset afterwards and you're having diarrhea, like that's a really big sign that you can't tolerate this food. So if that's you, it could also cause diarrhea. Um, and it's like the level of, of like what it's, it's individual to each person, right? Like I could be allergic to dairy, but I might love ice cream. And so maybe I save that one ice cream treat for one night of the week when I know like I'm just going home afterwards and I can deal with it there. So right, just not because... a long trip for our school. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, oh, I don't want to stop every half hour to have you go to the bathroom. Yeah, no kidding. So oh, you know, just because you are allergic to something, um, if if your intolerance is like that, where you know you're just gonna get a stomach ache, like maybe you save it for a night of the week where you're you know you're gonna be home and it's just like a treat for you that that night or whatever. Um, but yeah, so 
Okay, so because we're trying to concentrate on things that make us feel good, I just want to put like a picture in your guys' mind. So think of food like gas that we put in our cars, right? So let's think about cars for a minute. If we put regular gas into a diesel truck, it is not going to run properly. And then vice versa. If we put diesel into a regular car, it's not going to run properly. So just like there's different types of vehicles that take different gas, our bodies are all different as well. Um, so just think about that as we're kind of talking today. So, you know, what one person puts in their body, they may tolerate it just fine. The next person might completely break out into hives. So, mm -hmm. you know, even though it's good for one person. Like when Roberta's family comes over, there's so much I have to think about because Xander is allergic to eggs. So my family can handle eggs just fine, but I know that Xander can't. So I always try and make meals that do not have eggs in them. Or I'm like super cautious <laughs> if I have like boxed things and I'm like, Roberta, look at this, make sure there's no eggs. <laughs> so, um, yeah. you know, everybody's body is different. I think it's hard these days because there's so many different diets out there and I am not a, I'm not a advocate for diets at all, unless you actually need it. Like at the beginning of this episode, I said, I'm on a very strict diet right now because I'm trying to figure out what is causing my gas issues. I'm, I didn't just get on a diet to get on a diet, right? Like so many people could be like, Oh, I want to do keto because I heard that it helps lose weight. Well, it might help for some people, but for me, it made me gain weight. So mm -hmm. you have to be really careful about the diets that you want to just hop on board with because everybody's body is so different. Keto is a, um, it is a diet for certain people who need it. Like there is a certain medical condition. I can't remember what it is, but it is good for the people that have that certain medical condition. But in my opinion, um, it does not teach you how to eat well because you, I don't think keto is sustainable as among other diets. Um, so it doesn't teach you how to incorporate all the foods that are good for your body type. It just teaches you how to eliminate that one food that you're not supposed to have on that diet. So like the really strict diet that I'm on right now, they are really adamant in the beginning. You are only supposed to be on this diet for four to six weeks to clear out your system. And then you start incorporating the foods back in. And then once you realize, oh, that food wasn't good for me, and you're kind of like keeping a, a diary journal about it, like, oh, this food made me feel gassy, this food made me feel, or this made me feel constipated, um, then you know to kind of eliminate that food. But it's also like, we talked about, how can I incorporate that food back into my life? Um, at what tolerant level? So like, maybe mm -hmm. I can have apples is one thing that I've had to eliminate. And so um, one of the stages was, okay, I can have a quarter of an apple the first day, and then I can have half an apple, and then I can have one apple. I had no symptoms when I was eating the apples, so I know I'm good with apples, and I'm good with that whole entire sugar chain that is uh, related to that apple. Maybe. There are other like things that after I'm done with the diet where I'm still going to be tracking and making sure that my stomach is handling. But um, it's like, at what level? Like, because maybe I might be able to handle 
apples only half an apple at a time. Whereas if I eat a whole apple now, it pushes me over the edge and I start having diarrhea and stuff like that. My stomach issues aren't that bad, but some people's are. Mm -hmm. So other things that might, um, you might want to think about is that our food can stay in our digestive tract for three days. So Roberta, do you want to, cause I know you have certain allergies. Do you want to kind of like talk about this one a little bit more? Yeah. So this one, I think it can make it really hard to notice the things that make us feel good. If we're constantly eating the things that make us feel crappy because mm-hmm. it's going to outweigh everything else. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, my, my example is on the more extreme end because I do have an actual medical allergy, not just an intolerance, um, but an allergy. So I am very allergic to nuts, but there are times where nuts sneak into different things, or there may be a cross contamination. I've had that plenty of times um, when I'm not careful enough or someone else isn't careful enough and all of a sudden there's a cross contamination and I ingest it and that um, I can tell right away like it's a specific pain I've I know what that feels like first of all like right away there's the the, there's the like the mild anaphylactic like my throat's closing up my mouth is itchy Um, it's a little bit harder to breathe stuff like that happens immediately but then it's definitely three days of intense stomach discomfort. At first it's pain and then it's discomfort. And then there's like other gastrointestinal and digestive issues that come from that. And it definitely lasts lasts at a minimum for three days with an allergy for me because it could last even longer. And of course like Benadryl is helpful, but it doesn't take it all away. But then when that happens, there isn't a food in the world that's going to make me feel better. I have to get it out of my system. So Mm -hmm. it's a lot of water. It's, you know, really cutting back and eating foods that I know are good for me, but I'm not going to feel that effect right away. Mm -hmm. It's going to take that time to get the negative thing out of my system. Um, And it does take, take time. Cause even after that three days, like with an allergy or, or, maybe an extreme intolerance, maybe Um, it can be three days to get it out of your body, out of your digestive tract, but then you can still kind of feel like that um, exhaustion and, and borderline lethargic for up to a week after the initial um, like like ingestion of that food. So that can make it really hard. So it's um, I've become and I've dealt with this my entire life. So I 30 plus years, I've gotten really good at being super careful. And if I've just gotten to the point where it's not worth it for me to, like, if I'm out at a buffet I'm not, and there's nuts on the buffet, I'm not eating anything because mm. the risk of cross-contamination is too high. And I'm not going to risk my physical health for the next week just because I wanted to eat something on the buffet. So Mm -hmm. um, it's making those really hard decisions and going back to my daughter, right? It's if, if I was just dictating and telling her what she can and can't eat when we go to a restaurant or when we go out and about, or like just our day-to-day life, she's going to like rebel. And if I'm not there, she's just going to eat whatever she wants because she doesn't understand what those consequences are. So for our kids, it's having those conversations and getting them to be their own problem solvers 
And so for her, it's dairy. So it's like, okay, um, how much dairy do you feel good with eating? Like, how are you feeling right now? What do you think you can tolerate today? Like if we're at a buffet, right? Like, what do you think you can tolerate? And then how, what are the symptoms? Like if you start eating and what are those things that you notice that happen in your body when, and, and you need to stop. So like she's noticing, she'll start to feel um, like her stomach will start to hurt a little bit when she's had too much. And I can't, you know, explain what that feels like for her, but she'll say like, oh, my stomach's starting to hurt. I need to stop. And um, she's starting to have those, those things where she can notice for herself and notice those symptoms. And I think that's really important to help teach our kids because like Ashley and I are learning these things as adults. And if we can instill these things in our kids, so they just grow up doing these things naturally, I think it's going to help them so much later in life. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I had major constipation issues when I was younger. And we kind of knew that it was from dairy. And so that's how I kind of knew to take it away from my kids. Uh, So, you know, then you can kind of cross figured out but just because you have the issue doesn't mean that the rest of your family has the issue either so that's also something to keep in mind so many of us just kind of are wandering around thinking that it's normal to feel the way that we feel when it's not <laughs> like, like your student case in point yeah like, this is just the way it's always been yep yeah and uh, so funny funny story again um we were at a, a wrestling practice and one of uh, the moms there was like, she knew she figured out she had a gluten intolerance. I may have told this story before, but anyways, um, she knew she figured out she had a gluten intolerance because she was over at somebody's house and she, they were eating pizza or something. So something that has a lot of cheese on it and um, has a lot of, you know, it has crust. <laughs> so lots of gluten. Um, so she asked the, you know, when she was, she was at this point where it had gotten so bad where she was getting sick after every time she ate. And so she was having dinner with them and noticed that they weren't going to the bathroom and like throwing up and using the toilet. And she was like, your family doesn't get sick after they eat every time. And they're like, no, (laughs) she was like oh my gosh, I get sick every time that I eat. Like I'm at a point where I don't even want to eat food anymore. And I thought that that was just everybody. So it's, you know, she had been dealing with this her whole life. It had just kind of progressively kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And so we don't even realize sometimes that our symptoms are getting so bad because maybe it's just kind of creeping up on us. But it took that for her to recognize that, oh, this isn't normal. So I think number one, um, think about your body. Maybe you need to get quiet with yourself, do a little journaling, do a little meditation and just think about like, maybe do like a body scan. Like, okay, how does my head feel? Does my head feel good? Um, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I had a beer last night and my head doesn't feel so good this morning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, you know, I don't drink very often and, um, that kind of hurt my head last night. So like for me, like, 
headaches aren't normal. That's, you know, like I know what caused it. It was the beer and, um, I'll have a beer once in a while, but it was, it was a large beer. Um, so, you know, just like doing a body scan, like how does my head feel right now? How does my neck feel? Is there pain in my neck? Is, are my shoulders tight? Is, do I feel like inflamed, like just kind of icky and bloated all the time, you know, just kind of do a, a body scan of yourself and how are my insides feeling? So gassy and bloated and like inflammation, um, the opposite of that would be obviously not gassy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so feeling good when you're eating foods, you're not gassy, you're not bloated. Um, Roberta bloated and inflammation. Like you've had this before, right? Like, what does this feel like for you? When I am gassy and bloated? Um, yeah. And have inflammation. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just feels like my stomach's like extended. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, kind of looks like you're six months pregnant and Mm. feels awful. But I think then it like, it just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a domino effect into other parts of your body then. Because I think after like you get that extended, that bloated, that gassy, then you can start to notice other things. Like it might lead into that shoulder tension or um, just overall, like you could even feel like muscle aches and body aches after that. Um, yeah. And then definitely for me, if I feel gassy and bloated, I'm going to also be feeling sleepy and have low energy and have brain fog. Like for me, those things are pretty connected. Like yeah. I'm, if I'm gassy and bloated, I'm also going to have brain fog. Like that's just connected for me. So making those connections are probably helpful too. Cause I think a lot of times we don't think of brain fog as being related to food. We just think maybe it's solely related to our sleep or having an illness or something, but I think it can be completely related to what we're eating and how we're fueling our body. Yeah. And I think inflammation is such a, it's a word that gets thrown around that people don't really know what it means, but um, inflammation can be, you literally look inflamed like you're eating so much food that doesn't agree with you that your like whole body kind of looks a little bit more puffy um mm-hmm. maybe it, you're having um joint issues um i <laughs> was just talking with someone and she's like i was just looking at pictures of myself from a couple of years ago and this was somebody who recently started eating um better foods for her body and she's like i can't believe how inflamed I was like just my whole body looked puffy and just like I could tell I wasn't eating well so I would encourage you like if you're feeling kind of like nasty lately like go back and look at pictures of yourself and (laughs) maybe um that's a good indication as well but like the opposite of that is like you feel good your stomach is not pushed out So like if you're eating foods that make you feel good, then you're not going to have those symptoms. You're going to feel you're going to feel good about the way that your stomach feels no matter what weight you are. You know, like it doesn't matter if you're a little bit bigger of a person. Um, 
you just feel icky when you feel bloated and inflamed. And so if you're eating foods that feel good for you, then you're not going to feel that and you're going to feel better about yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Opposite of like constipation and diarrhea. So this one is kind of graphic, but um, your stools should look like I have heard it described as like a banana kind of in the toilet. So if like you're having little rabbit turds is what we call them in my house or, um, you know, really loose stool, that might be an indication that you're not eating um, something that's agreeing with you. So like you're and I've heard of people who are like, oh, I only poop like once a week. That's not normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, if that's a constant for you, you might want to go um, like talk to a dietitian and see like, what foods should I be eating to help my stool be more regular? Um, sleepy, low energy, brain fog. So opposite of that is you're energized. Like Roberta talked about at the beginning, she, when she eats apples, she feels energized. So like start keeping track of the foods that when you're eating them, you feel energized. Another one could be when you eat fried foods or um, like a ton of chips out of a bag or really, really super sweet things. It might give you that like quick sugar spike, but then it's going to um, drop and you're going to feel really sleepy or really low energy um, or have brain fog. This is why it drives me nuts when schools like bring donuts in and Mm -hmm. all the other high sugar things for their, um, for their work days and stuff. Cause I'm like, why, why are we doing this to our teachers? Like we're just giving them a big sugar spike. And then when we get back to our rooms for work time, it's like sugar hangover. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, also headaches and migraines opposite of that is you don't have headaches and migraines, you know? So what are the foods that you're eating that if that is an issue for you, what are the foods that don't make you have headaches and migraines? And that, I mean, Roberta, maybe you can talk on that more. I used to have migraines a lot and that can also be like a hormone thing too. Um, but foods can cause that. So, uh, for me, when I was younger, I believe it was a hormone thing because I did get on birth control and it fixed the problem. Um, but that's not always the case for people. It might be something that you're eating. So maybe you can talk on that more, Roberta. Yeah, I think, well, like for me, migraines and headaches are, um, more related to the weather. However, Mm -hmm. when I have a migraine, what tends to make me feel better in the moment is nasty food. And I've talked to so many people that this is true. It's like, I want a big greasy piece of pizza and like, it makes you feel better in the moment and then crappy later. So it's something Mm. I'm still working on. And I've, um, I have some strategies to help with migraines to prevent me from like getting that bad. But, um, for me, they're not really, they're not related to food. It's related to like environmental factors. And then it just like causes you to want to eat some nasty stuff. But um, for other people, like um, MSG is a really big one. Monosodium Mm. glutamate is um, a big culprit of migraines. I have some family members where this is true. If they eat something with MSG in it, they're going to have a nasty headache or migraine within the next 12 hours. So there are definitely things 
that do it. For me, it's more environmental, though. Yeah, I've also heard of MSG causing um, vertigo. It's really bad. Yeah, it's actually a lot of things. Yeah, it can also call, cause IBS and mm -hmm. yeah. I haven't done a lot of research into that because I don't like I don't have that issue. Um, but yeah, my grandma um, had that was a big one for her too. She could not eat anything. Um, with MSG in it that would make her really sick yeah I'm hoping um, it's starting things... to be recognized enough and it's not in yeah as right. much as it used to be but mm -hmm. a long way yeah to and I think that was really important what you said like it might make you feel good in the moment but like what the eating the big greasy thing or whatever mm -hmm. it might make you feel good in the moment but then it makes you feel even worse later on so start yeah. thinking about that stuff too like you might have this really big craving to go eat a ton of ice cream or something, but you know, like that's going to make you feel worse later on. So like, what could you replace that with? Usually when we have big cravings, it's because, and I'm not talking about your migraine thing right now, right. but um, right. when we have cravings, it's because we're lacking something in our diet. So, um, you know, trying to figure out what that is, like if you're not eating enough healthy fruits and vegetables and healthy carbs, um, your body might be craving the nutrients that it needs and like healthy fats and stuff like that. It might be craving something that you're missing, or it might be craving a vitamin that you're not getting enough of. So that's really all cravings are. You might also need more water throughout the day. Um, our stomachs, mm -hmm. uh, they, they get confused sometimes if we don't have enough water, it might confuse that as I'm hungry. Um, so next time you feel like you are super starving, but maybe you shouldn't be, try drinking some water instead, because um, that could be a big one. Uh, yeah. So oh, should we move on to our action step or do you have anything else to yeah, say? I think so. I think, I mean, I know we talked a lot about like foods that aren't serving our bodies well, but I think just to keep in mind, like the whole point of this is to notice the things that in your body feel good. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's definitely easier to notice the things that don't feel good. So sometimes it might be eliminating or reducing the things that don't make us feel good before we can even start to notice the things that do make us feel good. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so our action step is to start keeping, keeping a food journal or, and that could be incredibly informal. It could be, um, just keeping a note section on your phone. It could be even super minor where it's um, like for a while, I just was noting when I felt a certain symptom that I wanted to eliminate. So like if you want to stop feeling, for example, like that afternoon slump, if that's mm -hmm. what you want to work on first, I think that would be a great start. Like if you have that afternoon slump and it's like, oh, I just want to take a nap after I eat lunch. We don't have to feel that way. So, and that was actually big news to me. I'm like, if that's just normal, the afternoon slump is what we all go through and it's totally mm -hmm. not. So that could be something you focus on and, and you're only journaling about that. Like, what are you eating prior to that? Like, when do you notice that you don't feel that way? And what mm -hmm. did you eat in the last, however um, long. And then like, when you do feel that way, 
what have what did you eat for lunch so it could just be like you start with one meal a day what did I eat for lunch did I feel did I feel that afternoon slump yes or no um and start super simple and then when you start to get a hang of that like expand it to other other things or you know just focus on like one symptom and just to make it a little less overwhelming you could start with one thing and figure that out Right. And then once like you figure out maybe what food is causing the afternoon slump, what could you add in to replace that to give you more energy instead of just taking away, like make sure you're adding something back in too, Mm -hmm. so that you don't feel like you're being deprived of whatever you were giving the body before, you know, like that's a good, that's a good tip as well. And then, um, I also want to kind of Um, You guys, if you are having like major extreme issues, um, like skin issues, some of you might have like terrible acne or maybe you have like rosacea or um, like rashes that pop up all the time, Um, migraines, constant stomach issues like irritable bowel syndrome, joint issues, Um, certain foods like gluten can take up to three months to completely leave your stomach lining. So Mm -hmm. if you think like you have a gluten intolerance that is like causing some of these things, I would highly suggest or anything else that we've talked about today, like this, I've tried getting rid of this on my own. It's not working. I highly suggest you go see a nutritionist or a dietitian, like whatever is best for you and then get some maybe additional testing done to see uh, what might be causing it for you. Um, maybe they don't even do testing. Maybe they just put you on a really extreme elimination diet like I'm on right now um, to see what those issues are. But you might need a little extra help in that area. Um, if you are looking just to like learn the basics and the beginning of eating healthy, because you're like, I have no idea where to even start. Like I've eaten crappy my whole life and I don't even know what is healthy and what is not healthy. Um, DM us on Instagram. I have uh, a couple different programs that I could get you started on as well. Um, and it's really just like it's for beginners and it just really, um, it really can help you learn the basics of like reading nutrition labels. Um, you know, like what, what fruit is better than the other because it has less sugar in it, you know, all that kind of stuff. So action step keep a food journal, um, start figuring out what makes you feel good, what doesn't, go see a nutritionist, a dietitian if you need to, uh, and beginners, you need more help, or even if you're not a beginner, but you just need extra support and help, uh, DM us on Instagram because I can get you some information as well. As always, we're very grateful for each and every one of you for coming back and listening each week. If you would love to show your support, Um, The biggest way to do that is to head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review if you've listened to a couple. I was just on Spotify and on my iPad and noticed a new to me feature where if you've listened to like three or four episodes of a podcast, it will let you review it on Spotify now. So if you love using Spotify and you've listened to um, a few of our episodes, head on over to like our main podcast page and there's like a little spot that says rating and it has like an empty star and you can click on that and give us um, 
a quick review there as well. Sweet. Yeah. That's where I listen. So that's really exciting because now I can start helping other people out and reviewing their podcasts too. Yeah. I noticed it in the new update. So hopefully it's in, it's in everybody's update and not just the iPad version, but I was excited. I'm going to be going through a couple different podcasts now and sending some reviews their way because that's definitely the biggest way to show our appreciation to these podcasters. So, so everyone have a great week and we'll see you and chat with you next week.